Today we're going to start a new sermon series on prayer. Now, if you're anything like me, you might be thinking, oh no, not a sermon series on prayer. He's just going to make me feel guilty about something I struggle with, something I find really hard to do, and I'm just going to feel guilty. Well, if that's how you respond to knowing about a sermon series on prayer, don't feel that way. Our goal in this sermon series is not to make anyone feel guilty. In fact, what our, the goal of this series is to inspire you to have greater faith and greater confidence in prayer, resulting in a greater desire to pray because of that faith and confidence that's growing in you. Here's something to think about. God loves prayer because God loves you. That's really, really worth thinking about. Just pondering that simple little statement. Prayer is based on love because it's an expression of a loving relationship with God. So what's not to like about prayer if it's based on love and on a loving relationship with Almighty God? Before we think about discipline in prayer and before we think about dedication in prayer, let's think about the fact that God delights in spending time with you because he loves you, because he wants a relationship with you. That's the God we worship. He's not just a God who's sitting up there in heaven just measuring to see if whether we're doing, doing well or not, but he's, he loves us and he wants to help us do well. So there's a prayer in the Bible that Jesus prayed when he prayed to God the Father that I found very illuminating on the heart of God. Let me read you that, a statement from that prayer, one sentence. I made known to them, this is Jesus talking to God, his Father. I made known to them your name. And I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Can you imagine that? I mean, maybe you already have imagined that when you've read this in the past. The love that the Father has for the Son is being expressed to you. I mean, I think the Father loves Jesus infinitely. And Jesus is saying, the love you have for me, may it be in them. May they experience that same love. That's the kind of relationship he wants with us. That's what our prayer life should be motivated by. Not by duty, but by affection and love from God. The love that Jesus was expressing is a lot of love. Infinite love. Now, when I was in grade 11, I guess I was about, I don't know, 17 years old, or maybe 16 or 17 years old, our youth group went on a youth retreat at Camp Nudemick in near the White Shell, or maybe it's in the White Shell. Camp Nudemick uh, was the camp our church used, and I'm sure it was a great time. I was, that was a long time ago. I'm quite a bit older than 17 years old now. Um, and I don't remember anything about that youth retreat except the fact that it happened, first of all, and what happened on Saturday night after the main meeting ended. I don't know what happened in the main meeting. I don't know what they talked about. I don't know what we sang. But after the meeting was over and they gave us free time to just kind of fool around and there were kids playing foosball and ping pong and playing pool and stuff like that, at whatever they had at Camp Nudemick. During that time, my friend Wes, do you remember Wes? Does anybody remember who Wes is? 
I've talked about Wes. Wes is the guy who had such an impact on me when he, turned, when he gave his life to Jesus that I started following Jesus with more passion. Wes had been from a broke, very abusive home. And when he became a Christian, his life was changed so dramatically that it got my attention. And I realized, well, Wes explained to me, Ken, Christianity is not just going to church. It's a relationship with a loving God. He wants to know you. Do you, do you want to know him? You can get to know him. So his, the transformation in his life motivated me to get to know God better. And so that night, after the scheduled meeting was over, and we had all this free time before we had to be in our cabins, Wes and I went out to this pretty big rock that was by the lakeside there, and it was a clear night. There was no street lights or anything interfering with the stars, so you could see so many stars in this beautiful, dark, cloudless night. And we were in awe. We were just in awe of this Milky Way stretching across the sky. And we were praying and praising God together. Well, we could hear people shouting in the lodge, you know, playing foosball and playing ping pong. But we didn't care about any of that. We were just so lost in praise and prayer because the God who spread these stars across the sky, that almighty God who did all that, loved us. In fact, not only did he love us, he likes us. And we were in awe of that. At the time, I didn't even realize how unusual this was for a couple teenagers to be out on a rock praising God while others were having fun inside. We didn't even realize that was weird. Let me tell you something, teenagers. It's not weird. It's the way it ought to be. We ought to be so in love with Jesus that we just want to just revel in his love and enjoy our relationship with him. So, even as I recall it now, it does seem strange. But it was because of what I'd learned from Wes when his conversion changed my whole perspective. God wants a relationship with us. And it blew our minds that the same awesome God who flung those stars across the sky loved us. I can still picture it. I can still feel the thrill of it. It's the only thing I remember from that retreat. And I wonder if there's any teenagers in this room who are convinced the way Wes and I were that God loves you. Because he does. He loves everybody in this room. Every generation. And there's some teenagers in this room who might feel invisible to God. That God only relates to adults. Only, only the really mature and dedicated and devoted adults, I should add. That's how we tend to think. That God only cares about the people who are really devoted. Let me, let me dispel that myth. God loves every one of us equally and infinitely. All of us. Whatever our age. However devoted you may be or however devoted you may think you're not. God loves you infinitely. He loves us all the same. He demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, while we were still in rebellion, Jesus died for us. So that's who we pray to. And that's why a sermon series on the potency of prayer shouldn't make us feel bad, but should make us feel excited. So today I want to talk about why does God love prayer? Which will help us to see the purpose of prayer. 
The bottom line is God loves prayer because the very purpose of prayer brings us closer to him so that we can partner with God in accomplishing his work. We're going to talk about that today. It's on your sheets. What an amazing thought that Almighty God would want to partner with us to accomplish his purposes in the world. He doesn't want to just do it on his own. He wants to include us. And teenagers, he wants to include you. You don't have to wait until you're an adult for God to include you in accomplishing his purposes in this world. Wes, Wes, God used Wes to get me to follow Jesus. This 16-year-old kid, he can use any of you, any of us. It's not a question of whether God can't do it without us. It's a question of want. He doesn't want to do it without us. He doesn't want to accomplish his will without us involved. He wants to partner with us. And so we're going to talk about prayer being a partnership. So first of all, our partnership with God is a relationship. As Wes and I prayed and praised God, we were reveling in our relationship with God. And that relationship with God is described in the Bible as more like a marriage partnership than a business partnership. Sometimes when we hear the word partnership, we think of business partners. But, you know, when you get married, that spouse becomes your partner. And that's the kind of partnership the Bible talks about when it talks about God wanting to partner with us. Jesus is described described in the Bible as a groom, as a bridegroom. And the, the, the church, the body of Christ, or the people of God are described as a bride. We're brides. Hey, guys, hope you can handle that. We're a part of the bride of Christ. Don't be too uncomfortable with that, because that's a good thing. That means we're entering into an, a relationship with Jesus that's full of love. That's why we can be so confident that God hears us when we pray, because of how much he loves us. Jesus isn't a reluctant partner with sinners that he can barely stand a sight of because we're, we're, we keep sinning, we keep failing. No, he's an attentive groom, an attentive groom who loves his bride. Love is at the heart of how God views prayer, and it should be at the heart of how we view prayer. Don't think of prayer as a duty. I'll repeat it. Think of it as a love relationship. I want to look at a couple of verses in Psalm 116. Psalm 116, verses 1 and 2 is on your page that you might have received at the door. It says, I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy. Because he inclined his ear to me, therefore I will call on him as long as I live. The conviction that God heard this poet who wrote this psalm, that conviction that God heard him inspired his love and affection for God. It's why he says, I love God, because God hears me. How many of you have ever doubted that God hears your prayers? Let's be honest. I'm raising my hand because I have struggled sometimes to believe God hears my prayers. I'm pleased to see not many hands went up. Maybe some of you are lying. (laughs) Do you know what? Sometimes when a struggle, when you're in the midst of a struggle, that either doesn't go away or just keeps getting worse, you can start to wonder, does God hear my prayers? Sometimes when you're in a struggle that gets worse to the point of death, some loved one dies, you can wonder, does God hear my prayers? That's a valid question. 
And God doesn't mind us asking, God, do you even hear me? That's, that, that cry is in the Psalms. David cries that sometimes. Where are you, God? Why, am I in, why are you in despair, O oh my soul? Why are you despairing? So we can sometimes doubt that God hears us, especially in crisis. But the next, and, and, and this psalmist understands that. He says, the snares of death encompassed me, the pangs of Sheol laid hold of me. That's another word for hell. I suffered distress and anguish. Then I called on the name of the Lord. Oh Lord, I pray, deliver my soul. Well, that, when he prays, oh, I pray, deliver my soul, this is the same psalmist who said, I love you, Lord, because you heard my prayer and my cries for mercy. Deliver my soul. You hear me when I cry that. And he hears you in the midst of whatever crisis you're going through, whatever struggle is in your life. He hears you when you cry out. He's cares because he loves you. Some of you can relate to that. You may be experiencing some distress in your life, some challenge, some trouble, some anguish even. Something's going on in your life. It may have to do with employment. It may have to do with a loved one who feels far, far off and you feel like your relationship is sort of Fracturing. It may be a health issue that's taken you by surprise, that's getting worse. Well, know this, God hears you when you pray. He hears your pleas for mercy. George Mueller was a man who in the 1800s wanted to prove that God heard prayer. How many have heard of George Mueller? George Mueller, most, most people when they hear about the name George Mueller, they think if they've heard of him, they think, oh yeah, he's the guy that started the orphanages. He ran orphanages. He started an orphanage. It started off just in a house, and it grew to the point where after almost 70 years, he took care of 9,500 orphans over a 70-year span. Talk about persistence. He took care of a lot of orphans. And, um, and yet, he didn't start the orphanage because, specifically because he wanted to care for orphans. He started the orphanage because he wanted to prove that God answers prayer. That was his main reason, his primary reason, God answers prayer. So I'm going to start a ministry, and I'm never going to ask a single person for any provision. No one. I'll never, not even one person. I'll never ask anybody for anything. I'll only ask God for my provision. To feed the orphans, to house the orphans, to keep the orphans warm in the wintertime. He never asked a single human being. He only asked God, his Father in heaven, for provision. So, in that time, that 70 years, he took, over, took care of 9,500 orphans. He raised, by today's values, money values, I've got to get this right, 300 million Canadian dollars without ever asking anyone for anything. 300 million dollars. That's a lot of money without ever having to ask. But he prayed. He was a praying man. So, there's a lot of stories about answered prayer in George Mueller's biography. Um, I want to just read you one of them. It was written by a girl who was the daughter of a married couple that worked with George Mueller. Early one morning, her name was Abigail. Early one morning, Abigail was playing in Mueller's garden on Ashley Down. Ashley Down was the name of the orphanage. When he took her by the hand, and said, come see what our father will do. He led her into a long dining room. The plates and cups and bowls were on the table. There was nothing on the table but empty dishes. 
There was no food in the, in the larder. That's what they called the storage room, I guess. And no money to supply the need for food. The children were standing at the tables waiting for breakfast. Children, George Mueller said, you know we must be in time for school. So lifting his hand, he prayed, Dear Father, we thank thee for what thou art going to give us to eat. I, I just admire this man. There's faith in that prayer. <laughs> oh my goodness. According to the account, a knock was heard at the door. They went to the door. A baker was standing at the door. Mr. Mueller, I couldn't sleep last night. Somehow I felt you didn't have bread for breakfast, and the Lord wanted me to send you some. So I got up at 2 o'clock and baked some fresh bread and have brought it. Mueller thanked the baker and praised God for his care. Children, he said, we not only have bread, but the rare treat of fresh bread. Almost immediately there came a second knock at the door. This time it was the milkman who announced that his milk cart had broken down outside the orphanage, and he would, have, he would like to give the children his cans of fresh milk so they so that he could empty his wagon and repair it. He gave them all his milk. Like, wow! Like, my goodness, well, I'm sorry. As you consider his story, think about what it says in this psalm, Psalm 116, where it says, He inclined his ear to me, therefore I will call on him as long as I live. He inclined his ear to me. I want you to imagine that. This is poetic language, but I want you to imagine the truth of what he's saying here. Imagine God inclining, this is God inclining his ear to you, turning his head, putting his hand up to his ear, listening oh so carefully as he sits very still on his throne. Wait a minute, wait a minute angels, quiet angels. I want to hear this. He's inclining his ear to your prayer, to George. That's what he did when George Mueller prayed for those orphans to have food that morning. That's what he does when you pray. That's what it says in the Word of God. He inclined his ear to you. Therefore, I will call on him as long as I live. George Mueller said, I live in the spirit of prayer. I pray as I walk about, when I lie down, when I rise up. And the answers are always coming. The great point is to never give up until the answer comes. No wonder this psalmist who wrote Psalm 116 says, I will call on him as long as I live. Just like George Mueller exemplified. Why wouldn't we call on him if our, partner, if, if our partnership with God is such a loving relationship. Well, that's number one. Our partnership is a loving relationship, but our partnership is also rock solid. I want to emphasize this. Let's establish the fact that God is worthy and reliable as the one to whom we pray. Look at Psalm 61, verses 1 to 3. Hear my cry, O God. Listen to my prayer. From the end of the earth I call to you when my heart is faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the enemy. Are you feeling weary? I, I, I can't honestly believe 
that I could talk to this many people and there wouldn't be at least one or two weary people in the room. This psalmist was weary. Hear my cry. It's, it's like I'm calling to you from the end of the earth. It's like I'm calling to you from far away when my heart is faint. I barely have the energy. David wrote this psalm when his heart was faint. And he said, lead me to the rock that's higher than I, to the one who's worthy of our prayers. Some of you may not know that I had heart surgery in 2016. I had open heart surgery, and uh, I had, uh, it was life-threatening, so they had to do surgery. And uh, Fiona and I had been praying as we approached that surgery date. We were praying. You know, you'd expect us to be praying about something like that. And on the morning of the surgery, we had to get up at like 5 in the morning, and we had to be at the hospital by like 6 or 6.30 or something like that. And they had to do their, whatever, their vitals, check everything, and then prep us, or prep me, and prep Fiona, however she needed prepping. And so, anyway, I, uh, I walk into the nurse's station to do the vitals at 6 in the morning or whatever time it was, and uh, she said, how are you doing? I said, I'm fine, I'm good. And she, she had this knowing look on her face, and she says, yeah, yeah, we'll see. And she said to me, the blood pressure never lies. So she put the cuff on to take my blood pressure, and then she exclaimed, my blood pressure was completely normal. I really was okay. We had been praying to a God who's rock solid. Rock solid. I had no fears. I went into that surgery kind of chuckling. Because I knew I was in good hands. I knew God still had plans for my life. This was before Gateway East. God had this in mind when I was lying on that table. And I just knew that God was reliable and worthy of my prayers. As I read this psalm, I want to say, see that rock? See that massive rock that's higher than I? that's higher than you, that's higher than anyone in this room, even if we started standing on each other's shoulders, we wouldn't be able to see the top of that rock. See that massive rock? Look up to see if you can see the top of it. Well, you can't. It's too big. It's higher than I. You can't see the top. Well, that rock is Jesus. That rock is Jesus, church. The Bible calls Jesus the rock in the wilderness. The Bible talks about the rock that is higher than I, the rock in whom I take refuge. Those are references to God. Even in the New Testament, it's quoted that that rock in the wilderness from which they got water was Jesus. Not literally, he didn't become a rock, but he is the rock that gives us what we need. David goes on to pray, let me dwell in your tent forever. Let me take refuge under the shelter of your wings. And we might say, wings? What? What, you're talking about our partnership being rock solid. What's wings got to do? How can wings protect me? Well, plenty when you remember that partnership with God is meant to be personal and relational, not just powerful. A massive rock or a strong tower might make you feel safe, but feathers across your cheek will make you feel loved. The tender touch of God in any crisis. It's vital that we see our partnership with a God who is rock solid as an expression of his affection for us. 
He's not just some brute force up in heaven. He's loving. He's tender. But he's strong. And he can answer your prayers. The tower that surrounds us is also the gentle wing that covers us. We are safe because we are loved. And that's why our partnership with God is rock solid. Because of that love. So we've spoken of our partnership in God being relational and rock solid in this unstable world we live in. And all of that would be enough for us to be excited about prayer. That would be enough to say, hey, I want to pray to someone who's so loving and so, so reliable. But there's more. God actually wants us to part with, partner with him to accomplish his will in this world. I've heard Pastor Ron. Pastor Ron was the senior pastor of Gateway for 43 years. He retired last December from the 31st. He was here a couple Sundays ago. Well, Pastor Ron said, God won't do his work without us, and we can't do his work without God. Let me share one of my favorite scripture passages with you that never ceases to amaze me. It's on your sheet that you see there. It's a passage that expresses Jesus' love for people and his longing to save people. It's why Jesus came to earth. It's why he loved us so much that he'd be willing to die on that cross that David referred to, that Ed Song referred to. He was willing to die on a cross as a substitute for us. He didn't deserve to die. He'd never sinned. He was the perfect son of God. But he chose to die because he wanted to die on our behalf, to take our punishment for our rebellion against God so that we could be forgiven and have a relationship with God. This is what this passage is all about. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. If this is why Jesus came to earth, and if this is so important to God, if, and if the workers were really, truly so few in number, then why didn't Jesus just say, I'll do the job myself? He's capable. He's almighty. Remember, it's not that he can't do things without us. It's that he doesn't want to do things without us. He could have taken care of things. It's kind of like that old saying, if you want something done right, do it yourself. God must have wanted this done right. It was important to him. It had eternal significance. So why wouldn't he do it himself? I've bungled conversations with people about Jesus. I've bungled conversations about Jesus so badly that the people I talk to don't want to talk about Jesus with me anymore. Like, I make mistakes like that. And I wonder, why is God using me? I'm getting in the way. I'm getting in his way. He should just do it himself or find somebody better than me to do it. And God says, no, 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 no. I love you. I want to work. I want to partner with you. He says that to all of us. He wants to partner with us. And so the first thing he asked his disciples to do in that partnership was to pray. He said, pray. Now, I don't get that. This is what amazes me about this passage. I don't get it. I mean, not initially. I get it when I think about it. Listen, 
Jesus knows that workers are needed. The Father knows that workers are needed. I mean, even the Holy Spirit knows that workers are needed. But he tells us to talk to him about the need for workers. <laughs> like, do, do you see the, how that's a little strange? Like, God's saying, I know we need workers, so you, ask me for workers. Come on, ask me. It's because he wants a partnership. He wants to do things together with us. Jesus said, pray earnestly for workers. Us, asking God to do what he tells us that he wants done. Us, telling God to do what he tells us he wants done. It's strange, really. God's solution to an eternally significant spiritual harvest is a prayer partnership with us. Look around you. Look, look around at the people in the room. I'm looking at you the whole time I'm preaching. You can see each other. Look, imagine you had a mirror in front of you and you could look into the mirror at yourself. We're not perfect people. We've got flaws. We've got warts. We've got stiff necks. Meaning we can be stubborn sometimes. And yet God wants to use us. God wants to use me to share God's word with you today. Even though I'm flawed, even though I've got character issues and stiff neck, Jesus' first disciples were no different. And yet Jesus wanted to advance his kingdom by commanding those flawed but beloved disciples to pray. This just shows us that Almighty God truly wants to partner with us to grow his kingdom. He doesn't want to do it without us. He wants to partner with us because he's a relational God. And he wants to partner with us because he wants to reveal himself to us as rock-solid dependable. A relational God doesn't want to work alone. He wants to work with his children. So he tells us to pray so that he can do what we pray. I need a volunteer. Nathan, look at how fast his hand went up. You see that? He's a good example. Hand goes up. Okay, Nathan, I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you to get on my back like a piggyback ride, okay? So hop on. All right, you good? Okay, Nathan, when I hold the mic up, I need you to speak clearly into it. I'm going to pretend I am your heavenly father. Now, this cord isn't going to allow me to wander too far, Nathan, so I can't go too far. But I'm going to tell you to tell me, Nathan, tell me to walk over to that white line. Walk over to that white line. Here we are. We're at the white line. Nathan, tell me to walk over to that mat. Walk over to that mat. Here's the mat. There's a mat on the floor here. I'm on the mat. Right on. Nathan, tell me to go bless forest. Bless forest. God bless you, forest. I received that. He receives it. Thank you, Nathan. Do you see how that illustrates prayer. It seems kind of clumsy, doesn't it? It seems kind of strange. You might even be thinking, that's not prayer. Yes, it is. 
It's Matthew chapter 9. God knows that he needs workers. So if Nathan were on my back, I'd say, Nathan, tell me that we need workers. And he would have said, we need workers. We're just telling God what God asks us to pray so that we can do it together. That's prayer. And so we have a role to play in God's will being accomplished in this world. Would there be workers if nobody prayed? This is not a trick question. Would there be workers if nobody prayed? Come on, give me, come on, participate with me. No, there wouldn't be. Now, is that put God in a bind? No. Because you know what God's capable of doing? He's capable of stirring someone's heart to pray. He can do that. He stirs our hearts to pray. And that's how it's a partnership. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, my words were abiding in Nathan, God's words abide in us, ask whatever you wish and it will be done. That's what prayer is all about. Did you see how that example, that illustration required closeness? It required Nathan to be close to me. He drew close. He felt supported by me. He felt confident when he spoke those words. Well done, Nathan. Good job. God loves prayer because he's relational. Because he wants us to depend on him rather than on ourselves. And because he wants to do his will in partnership with us and not alone. Now we're not going to have discussion groups at the end of this service today. We're not going to break into groups. We're going to have communion together. And all I ask you to do this week is there's questions at the end of your page, the bottom of your page on page 2, that I'd encourage you to ask God about this week. Father, how can my devotional times with you be adjusted to help me grow closer to you relationally. Father, what is one area of my life in which you want to show me that you're rock solid and dependable so that I can persist and ask you about it until you answer? David referred to this at the beginning of the service. He had a word about people who are struggling with something. And he had a word from Isaiah for us about God wanting to help with that. This is the same thing. God wants to show himself as rock-solid, dependable as we pray to him regarding something you're struggling with in life. And he wants to answer. But be like George Mueller. Don't give up until you see an answer. And Father God, would you motivate your people to be workers in the harvest fields? We can pray the prayer God commanded us to pray so that God's kingdom can advance in Winnipeg and we can have a part to play in it advancing.